I don't think I have it there, so please pray after me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Today we are starting a new series uh, entitled, entitled The Thriver's Survival or The Thriver's Guide to Life. And it's, being, uh, it's based on Kepha Bet, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. You know, life is truly a gift. Each day that we are alive is a day to celebrate and enjoy the creation of the world. On the other hand, life can be very difficult. Challenges create strain and tension in our emotions and on our relationships. And navigating through this journey that I like to call life can easily overwhelm us. And instead of living a full, abundant life, we find ourselves drudging along, barely existing under a weight that we feel we cannot bear. We all know the verse where Yeshua says, I have come so that they may have life, life in its fullest fullest measure, or life abundantly, as some translations say from Yochanan 10.10. But many would say this morning here in the sanctuary to those listening by the podcast, then why is my life such a mess, Rabbi Carol? Why do I feel so much pain? Why can't I get out of my own way? Where is the full life that God promised me? Well, I believe Kepha encourages us with these words that lay for out, out for us uh, a guideline to living a full, godly, fruitful life in Messiah Yeshua. So follow along with me on the uh, PowerPoint or in your tree book or e-book, uh, Kephabet, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us valuable and superlatively great promises so that through them you might come to share in God's nature and escape the corruption which evil desires have brought into the world. For this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you have these qualities in abundance, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Indeed, whoever lacks them is blind, so short-sighted that he forgets that his past sins have been washed away. Therefore, brothers, try even harder to make your being called and chosen a certainty. For if you keep doing this, you will never stumble. Thus, you will be generously supplied with everything you need to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord and deliverer, Yeshua the Messiah. So today, we're only going to look at one verse, verse 3. And this title of this first message in the series is entitled, Get Plugged In. So let's read that verse again. God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness. Now, recently we spoke a lot about the power of God in our series leading up to Shavuot. And as we spoke on Shavuot and, and the scripture that is often connected with Shavuot is Acts 1.8, where Yeshua promises us and his Talmudin, he says, that you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon me, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So we know about this power, that this power enables us to be his witness. This power flows through us to perform miracles, as we talked about the early Kehilah, and often God used them to work miracles of healing, even that Kepha's shadow healed the sick as he walked down the, uh, the street. So that power works to us, flows through us to perform miracles, and it releases the anointing that brings revival. But there is more. And this verse tells us that this power 
is to help us live life. Isn't that awesome? As I said, thank you, my husband. (laughs) Someone thinks it's awesome. (laughs) I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one, but life has many challenges. But God, through his power, has given us everything we will ever need to live a successful, fruitful, godly life. That's why his power is given to us also. Power to live life. And he says in this verse, he has given us everything you need. Now, what does everything mean? It means everything. There's no hidden meaning to the Greek or the Hebrew. When God says everything, he means absolutely everything you need. So right now, whatever situation you may be facing, and we all are at different uh, places in this journey called life, we're all at different stages and facing different situations, but every single one of us has everything. Can you say that with me? Everything we need to live a good, full, godly, fruitful life. Let's say that again. I have everything I need to live a good, godly, full, and fruitful life. And I pray that this really gets burned into your hearts, that you know that you have everything, absolutely everything you need. This means not, we're not missing one piece of the puzzle. You know how frustrating that is when you put a puzzle together and you get towards the end, that one piece is missing? God's saying no pieces are missing in your life. You have everything you need. The batteries are included in the package that God has given to you. It's not like that toy. We've talked about this in other messages where you get that toy for Hanukkah and you're putting it all together for your child and, and they're getting it up and you realize you didn't get any batteries and the thing is not going to work, right? We have the batteries. We have the power. God has given it to us. The key is in the phrase, we need. You have everything you need. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have everything you need. Now turn to your other neighbor and say it like you mean it. You have everything you need. Everything. Thank you, Myrna. Everything that you need. Unfortunately, we often think we need things that we don't have. We often look at our life and we think that things are missing. We convince ourselves that if we had a different job, a different spouse, a new house, if we had a husband, if we had a wife, if we had a certain degree from a prestigious college, that would be what we need to live life to its fullest, to have a meaningful, fruitful, godly life. I just need these things. So God, if you give these things to me, If you give me more money in the bank, if you give me a husband, if you give me a better job, if you give me better children, then my life will be wonderful. And because we feel we need those things, we walk through life not living to the fullest potential that God has for us. Too many of us let life pass us by because we are waiting for that person or that position to bring us contentment. We are longing for what we think others possess that we don't have, reassuring ourselves that if we had everything that that person has, our lives would be grand. Of course, Rabbi Carol can live a good life because look at what she has or the person across the aisle or behind you or in front of you. Sometimes we look at other people's lives and say, they have everything made. Yet if we were to walk in their shoes, we would see that, you know, their life has challenges just like yours does. Believe me, you can walk a week in my shoes and see the challenges that I face. My life has challenges just like everyone else's. But I, like you, have everything I need to live a full, abundant, fruitful, godly life. But when our focus is on what we don't have because we think we need it, 
life becomes even more challenging to us. It's not true that if you get that thing, whatever it may be, that you think is missing in your life, that life will suddenly be great. In fact, God is telling us the exact opposite in this verse. He's saying he has given us everything, absolutely everything that we need to live a good and godly life. And I'll say it again, I know it's simplistic, but that means we have everything that we need. So I have to come to the conclusion that nothing is lacking in my life. And that living life to the fullest would not be easier if I had more money or if I lived in a different place or if I had a different job. These are lies from hell that torment us and prevent us from perceiving what is right in front of us, the life that God ordained for us, a good Life, as Yochanan 10.10 says, I've come to give you life, life abundantly, to live life to its fullest. Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 29.11, also speaks about that life that God has for us. We sing a song Rabbi Michael wrote from this verse, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and future. Whatever is going on in your life, you have to know that God wants only good for you, wants only good for me. That's his heart for us. It doesn't mean life is without challenges. Living a good, full life doesn't mean that you'll have no struggles, that there won't be the deserts that we have to go through before we get to that place, as Abigail shared in her Devar Torah, that there may be detours that we have to take, that we didn't expect, but it doesn't mean that we can not enjoy a good, fruitful, godly, full life through the one who called us and gave us his power. And if you and I are not experiencing this life, then friends, we are not utilizing the everything that Adonai has given to us through his power. What about godliness? One writer explained it this way. Godliness pictures a man or woman who is empowered. Again, it's through his power. So we are empowered by grace and the indwelling of the Ruach HaKodesh to conduct themselves in reverence and awe of God, maintaining such a consciousness of God's presence that they live as if he were ever watching, which he is, P.S., and strive by his power to live as Messiah lived when he walked this earth earth as God-man. Godliness means to live seeking to be like God, ever seeking to possess the very character, nature, and behavior of our glorious God. The writer goes on to say that the godly man or woman follows and even runs after godliness as if pursuing the precious, precious treasure, which in fact it is. They seek to gain and continually live in the atmosphere of the consciousness of God's presence. Wow, that's a mouthful. But friends, that is what the power is given to us, to live a life of godliness, to live a full, fruitful life. And he has given that power to help us. In other words, you look at it and you say, I can never, ever do that on my own. You're right, neither can I. But you're not on your own. I'm not on my own. It says here it's through God's power, not Rabbi Carroll's power, not human power, but divine power. And as I came in on the tail end of Rena's encouragement of, uh, before taking up the offering, and she was mentioning, I, I think it was about testing at the end of the school year with the graduation this weekend, and how God never fails a test, right? And it was in relation to the test me in this area of giving our tithes and offering, but God never, ever fails. His power is never lacking, Do you understand that? He is the creator of the universe. He spoke, and the world came into existence. There is nothing that is too difficult to him. And he takes that power that is his, and he imparts it into me and to you so that we may live a full, fruitful, godly life. Hopefully we're going to get that phrase into us by the end of this message. Through his power. 
We discussed this in our Shavuot series and in many other messages that the problem is that we are often not tapped into the divine power. Thus the title of the message, Get Plugged In. Think about it. I have a lamp sitting by the, the, the side of my bed. And if I never plug that lamp into my wall outlet, it will never, ever give me light. Now, a couple of my lamps downstairs I have unplugged uh, because the little knob that turns on is broken. So I, sometimes I forget and I go to turn it. It doesn't come on. I'm like, oh, I have to t- plug it in. Immediately when I plug in, what happens? The light comes on because it's connected to the power. Unfortunately, many of us are not connected to the power source. And because we're not connected to the power source, we don't function like we're supposed to. That lamp needs to be plugged in. We need to be plugged into God. He is telling us that his power enables us to live this full godly life. And the whole concept beside this word that God has given us to this is that this gift of power is given to us through his grace not because we deserve it. That is why later on in the passage, and we'll speak about this in another message, but if you remember it said there in one of the verses that hopefully you will get it, that your past sins have been washed away. Right? And sometimes the enemy will torment us with our past sins because, you know, we're not plugged into the power. When you're plugged into the power, you know that your sins have been washed away and they've been dealt with. And again, that's for another message, but someone needed to hear that today. So take it and receive it, and we'll preach more on it later in the series. But we cannot function without the power of God. God graciously gave it to us, not because we deserve it. It was accomplished through Yeshua's death on the tree of sacrifice, and we simply need to appropriate it into our lives. Yet many, too many believers remain unplugged into the power source of life. We prayed a prayer, but we stopped there. And as a result, life has become a chore. And we struggle living godly. Our thoughts and our words and our actions are not accurate reflections of the character of God because we lack the power, power that he graciously offered us It's our gift to take, but many of us leave it on the table. Selah. Think about that. It's a gift that God has given, and yet many of us leave it on the table, never open it up, never use it. And then we get angry at God. And we raise our fist and say, God, why are you letting this happen in my life? And God's sitting back saying, you know what? I gave you everything you need through my power. But you're not utilizing it. Plug the lamp in. Plug the lamp in and it'll work. One Bible expositor wrote this, we may have as much of God as we will. Messiah puts the key of the treasure chamber into our hand and bids us to take all we want. He goes on to say, if a man is admitted into the bullion vault of a bank and told to help himself and comes out with only a penny, whose fault is it that he is poor? That was a very good illustration. That's what God is saying. I open up the vault to all my power. My power I graciously give to you. And in giving you my power, it means you have everything you need to live that good, godly, fruitful, abundant life. And if you come out with just a penny's worth of power, whose fault is it? It's my fault if I don't tap in to the free power that God has given me. This power is meant to permeate every area of our lives. That means our marriages. That means our families, our work, our congregation, all of our relationships, our whole community. The power strengthens us at the core of our being. 
enabling us to be godly in every area of our lives. Godly is not ju- godliness is not just something that you exhibit here in this congregation on a Saturday morning. Quite the contrary. If people around us at work, school, or in our homes, stepping on a few toes, do not see godliness, friends, something is amiss. Okay? Something is amiss. We're not tapped into the power to help us be godly. And I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. We don't blow it, sometimes even in our family. You can ask our kids. Mom and dad have blown it plenty of times. But we apologize when we're wrong. We praise a family over tensions that happen between us and each taking responsibility for their own part in those tensions. Because the power has graciously been given to us. So how do we get connected, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. Look at the last part of verse 3. It says, through knowing, can you say that word with me? Knowing the one who called us into his glory and grace. Who is that one who called us? Yeshua. This word implies, this word knowing implies a personal and intimate relationship. Through our relationship with him, we have access to the power. Again, that's what Yeshua says, you know, to the Talmudim. I must leave. I must leave so that the Father can send you the gift. So it's through Yeshua that the gift has been given to us, the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, and he has been given to us with power to enable us to live life. And he, the Ruach HaKodesh, is going to remind us of everything that Yeshua said. They're connected together. And it's through Yeshua that we have this power. It's relationship with him. The issue is that we ignore our relationship with him so often Friends, it's not enough to say a prayer and try to fit Yeshua into the rest of your life, into your schedule. He wants to be your entire life. I know it's not a new principle and one that you've heard plenty of times from this pulpit, but it is worth repeating today. Listen to me. If the only time you spend with Yeshua is the time you're in service here once a week, then you are definitely not plugged into the power source. Don't fool yourselves. So many people struggle through life because they ignore the source of the power they need. Yeshua tells us in Yochanan 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. We talked about this passage last week in Junior Shabbat as I was downstairs I hadn't been down in about three months, so it was good to be down with the kids. So I asked the children, what would happen if they went out and cut a branch off of a tree or a plant in their yard? I said, what will happen to that branch? Every single child immediately said the branch would die. It cannot survive without the nutrients from the tree. You and I cannot live an abundant and godly life without being connected to the power source, Yeshua, the Messiah. He's the power source. He's the one who gives us the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, many of you know I turned 60 in December. I came to faith when I was six years old. So through these last 54 years, I faced challenging and difficult times. I can tell you life was not always easy. Many times things did not turn out as I expected. Struggles sought to pull me down. Discouragement came knocking at my door many, many times. Failures, misunderstandings, and obstacles challenged me all along the way. Hindrances tried to stop me in my journey of life. But how did I make it through all of this? I stayed connected to the source of power, Yeshua the Messiah. Staying connected did not magically erase my problems, but it gave me strength to walk through the valleys and through the deserts with the confidence knowing that the mountaintop was soon to appear. You see, he is my best friend, Yeshua. He knows the hidden things of my heart that not even my husband knows. And my husband 
second best friend that I have. And the same with my husband. There are things in his heart that only God knows. He's my best friend. I'm connected to him. So even though that connection did not take away all the problems of life, all the challenges and the obstacles, like I said, being connected to him gave me power to walk through those moments with confidence. Confidence. Even as we sang that new song today, there have been many times when I have worshipped God in my pain. When I did not understand what was going on in my life or the life of my loved ones. But I worshipped him and I trust him even when I don't understand what's going on. Even when I don't have answers to questions people may ask me. There have been people who have come into my office who have faced difficult things and I don't have an answer always to the whys of what's going on in our lives. But I can always point you to the one who loves you, to the one who will stay with you and help you through that difficult challenge and season that you're in in your life and encourage you to stay connected to him. Because many, there are many opportunities in the last 54 years for me to give up on God and say, God, it's not worth it. God, things are not panning out like you said. God, this is not the promise that I read about in the word. And next week, Rabbi Michael's going to be talking about verse 4, which is about all those promises. It's so easy when you're going through a struggle. It's so easy when you're facing a challenge. It's so easy when you're in that desert to want to give up. And the only, only, only reason I never, ever gave up was because of my relationship with Yeshua. I stayed connected. And that helped me to survive the desert and the trials and things that came my way. Staying connected to Yeshua, how do you develop that intimate, personal relationship with him? Basic 101, through the word, through worship, and through prayer. These are the basics of our relationship with Adonai, yet over the 35 years that I have served here at Beth Emanuel, I have seen so many struggle to do these three basic things consistently and successfully in their lives. And the result was evident. No peace, no victory, no joy. Without exception, my husband would say the same thing. I could tell you 95 to 99% of the time if someone comes to me and they are struggling and, and uh, with issues in life, we will ask the question, are you having your private devotions? 95 to 99% of the time, the answer is no. Friends, when I don't have uh, my times with God, you know, you know, everyone who knows me knows I'm a Martha person. That's why I try to do my devotions first thing in the morning. I'm usually up 5, 5.30 to have devotions. Some of you know because you text me at that time you know, or, or call me. But if something happens and, and uh, there's an early thing that I have to do and I get going in the day, it's hard for me to sit down. Because my Martha is like, go next thing, next thing, next thing. So I make my time with God in the morning as much as possible. Without reading the word, worshiping, and prayer, you're not connected. Your relationship is not thriving. And that's why life overwhelms you. I'm going to focus on the first one, reading the word, because I believe if we practice that, that the other two will fall in place, but it's not to minimize that. And we prayed about this on Thursday night, about the spirit of worship to come into this sanctuary. So I'm going to give you this free. It's not in my message because other, I'd keep you here probably for two hours if I preach on all three of these. But let me tell you, when you come into the sanctuary, you could, should come with expectation. You should come ready to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't care if you sit or I don't care if you stand. Your posture doesn't matter to me, although I think standing in the presence of the king is a good thing to do. But I get it. Sometimes you can't. And again, no condemnation for doing that. But goodness, you should at least be worshiping. I have the advantage of, you know, facing this way most of the time. You know, unfortunately, my husband faces that way. (laughs) And sometimes what he sees is that it can be a little discouraging. 
because you're sitting there not engaged with the lover of your soul. But I get it. If you don't engage during the week with the lover of your soul in worship, it's hard to do that when you come here. So even though I'm going to focus on reading the word, I want to encourage you to be a worshiper every day. Christina was sharing in prayer Thursday night how she was struggling with something. She got in her car and God quickened a song to her. She began to worship, which led her into praying, which brought her release to what she was struggling with. That's the power of worship. Why? She was connected to the power source through her worship there. And I want to encourage you guys to be worshipers. I love it. You know, I'm the joyful noise section. My husband has a beautiful voice. He's anointed, anointed to lead us into God's presence. And from the day I met him, when he first came to Beth Emanuel, and he was just that guy across the sanctuary who was the newbie in the congregation that everybody was trying to see who he would get connected with, uh, who they could uh, matchmake him with. But there was anointing on him to bring us into worship. And my children can sing beautifully. And sometimes they'll start singing together. And it just touches my heart. Again, I'm the joyful noise. I'll, I'll join in a little bit. But I love to hear that. It is spontaneous in the car sometimes. They're together, you know, or at home as a new song. And he'll say, Abigail, decide, come, let's go through this. And it just touches my heart. And I know it touches the heart of God. And I love sometimes, you know, Abigail's an early riser like me, and I'm downstairs having my devotions, and she gets up, and I hear her singing. And it just touches my heart as she's worshiping God. And sometimes I start singing the same song because I'm so encouraged by her worship. So we have to be those who worship God. It's part of connecting to him and connecting to the power source. Amen? All free. Not even in my notes. (laughs) I want to talk to us about reading the word. Downstairs in Junior Shabbat, we, we talked about this as well. I'm going to tell you, friends, you have to read the word regularly. I sent out an a, a email to the parents this week because um, we were discussing about reading the Bible. So I said to the kids last week, I said, how many of you eat, ate food every day this last week? And they are like, I ate food, Rabbi Carol. I mean, they love the snacks down there. You know, can I have another snack? You know, they'll <laughs> so, you know, sometimes two or three snacks go. So every single child raised their hand. Then when I asked them, how many read your Bibles this past week? Not every day, just read the Bible at all. Only a few. I told my husband, I think it was two, maybe three raised their hand. So I talked to them. I said, what would happen if you didn't eat food? For several days, and they're like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be good. Just like our physical bodies will not survive without the energy that food gives us, so our spiritual man will not survive without the food of the Word of God. One writer says it is impossible, impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent, and balanced intake of the Word of God in our lives. Now, I'm, not, I mean, I'm using the phrase reading the word, and I was speaking with Rabbi Michael about my message this morning. I said, you know, I wanted to discuss it with him. And he was encouraging me. It's not just about reading the word. And if that's all you think it is, or I have to read, uh, you know, Rabbi Carroll tells me I have to read, I have to read. No, no. It's about your sustenance. It's your spiritual food. It's what gives you life, and it's what keeps you connected to the power source. And just like you will not skip a meal during the day because you know your body, physical body, needs the food, you cannot skip being in the word and worship and prayer because it is food to your spiritual man. Yehoshua, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This book of the law, the Torah, the scriptures, should constantly be in us on our mind, in our thoughts, we should take time to be in the word every day because it's the way that God communicates to us. It's the way that we maintain our relationship with him. I can live life to the fullest, and I can live godly through pursuit of Yeshua. And part of pursuing him is reading and studying the word regularly. 
meditate on it day and night. The Vahafta tells us to talk about the Word when we lie down, when we get up, when we walk along the road. In other words, the Word is just a part of our life, and that being a part of our life gives us a connection to the power source that we so desperately want or that we so desperately need. Unfortunately, sometimes the only time people connect to the word is when they hear a message like this on Shabbat once a week. Could you imagine what would happen if you ate food once a week? (laughs) My husband says no. (laughs) I can tell you it would not be pretty. Most of you know that Rabbi Michael and I, God called us to begin fasting regularly last year. So we fast three to three and a half days a week. I can tell you my system doesn't always like the days when I fast. I get very weak. I get very nauseous. And sometimes I feel like I'm going to throw up. So I can barely make it through, especially towards the end of the the fasting period. So my body doesn't like it. And, you know, we fast because we believe God has called us to do that. We believe it's a scriptural thing to do. We encourage you guys to fast at least a meal a week. Because, again, it's a scriptural thing to do. But don't let anyone fool you. Fasting is not fun. And as we're coming to the end, all we can think about is what food are we going to eat? <laughs> so being, just being honest, you know, that food is like, okay, what are we going to break our fast with, right? So think about when we don't feed our spiritual man. Right? So I get nauseous. I get very weak. Other people, when they don't eat, get grouchy. Okay, someone knows someone who does. (laughs) Others' attitudes and dispositions change without food. Think about your spiritual man. What happens when you don't feed him or her food? The nourishment that it needs. Again, it's not simply about reading the Bible. It's about feeding your spirit. Too often we read the Bible as if it were a newspaper. Friends, it is life to us. One speaker told this story of a man who said he had received no inspiration from the Bible, although he had gone through it several times. And the minister replied, let the Bible go through you, and then you'll tell a different story. See, Reading the word is not just to read it to get through it, but to read it to get it into us, to let it go through us. Because God tells us that his word is alive and active. It made me think about, you know, the, the, a lot of the craze out there in our eating world and all the commercials about yogurt and they, they tout how they have the, the live cultures, right, the, for the, the probiotics that you need, you know, for your, your, your body. And I like yogurt, so, uh, and, and my daughter does too. My husband and son don't eat yogurt, but he's <laughs> like making a face over there. So that those live cultures are supposed to help us, right? How much more will the living word of God help you and me spiritually to make it through the challenges of life. There's not one person that can tell me that they have no challenge in life. Maybe this week there's none. Maybe this month there's none. But challenges come to every single one of us. Tests and trials, circumstances that are beyond our control. How do we make it through that? And how do we come to that place of living abundant, even in the midst of those challenges and trials? It's by being connected to the power source. And being connected to the power source is through the living word of God that breathes into us life and power to face these situations and circumstances that are in us. The book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews 5, 12 through 13 says, For although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the very first principles of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who has to drink milk, milk is still a baby without experience in applying the word about righteousness. Some of us are still babies in our relationship with God. Even though we... Except at Yeshua 5, 10, 15, and some 20 years ago. 
we have not matured because we barely give our spiritual body food to thrive. We're hanging on with a thin thread to any semblance of spirituality and power from God. And it's basically from what we get when we come on Shabbat or hear uh, something online uh, today, you know, once or uh, twice a week, instead of daily getting that nourishment that your spirit man or woman needs. So there's a thin thread. And this abundant life, godly life, fruitful life, inside, I know you're telling me, oh, Rabbi Kale, give it a break. Give it a rest. You don't have the same problems I do. You have no clue, Rabbi Carol. And although I may not know the exact problems you have, although many of you do come and we do pray when you come and share things with us, as I said earlier, my life is not without problems and challenges. And what I'm telling you to do, I have to do the same thing. If I do not stay connected to the source, if I do not uh, keep my relationship with Yeshua vibrant and intimate and personal, I will begin to fall away. I will begin to struggle. I will begin to not live an overcomer life. From reading the word, we must study and apply it Yeshua tells us in Yochanan 14.21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Our obedience to his word, which we know because we read and study it regularly, opens the door to receiving more revelation of himself to us. Wednesday night on our way home from the Torah study, Josiah was talking to Michael about his relationship with God, you know, and Michael encouraged him by asking, Josiah, how do you grow in a relationship with someone? Josiah replied by spending time with them. And so Michael encouraged him, that's how you know your relationship with God is going well. And growing is because you spend time with them. When we read the word, when we pray, when we worship, we're spending time with Adonai, which will help us to know him more. And through knowing him, his power is released into our lives to live that full, godly, fruitful life. So as I close today, I'm going to give you a very, very practical challenge. It's probably one of the most practical challenges I've ever given in a message. I'm encouraging you to make a commitment to reading and studying the Word regularly. If you read one chapter a day, which would take normally five to ten minutes, and then again, it's not just about reading to get through it, it's reading to get the Word in you, it would take you three years and three months to read through the Bible. You know, I mean, I used to read the Bible through every year completely at a stage where I'm not, it doesn't matter that if I rush through it, sometimes I'll stay on the passage a little longer, but I read the word regularly. You could read through the whole Bible in one year if you read three and a quarter chapters a day. Personally, I like to always be reading in the New Covenant as well as the Tanakh. Some days I'll read both. If if I read from one one day, I'll read from the other the next day, Uh, and I often read the Bissarot of Yeshua, about Yeshua, more than one time in a year because I like to be reading about him and his life and his ministry here on, on this, this earth. When you leave today, the ushers are going to hand you one of our Bible reading charts. There are many apps and online things that you could use as well. This is just a practical thing to give you, uh, to help you uh, be consistent. Okay, sometimes uh, we can make a commitment and, and, and not follow through with it. So this is just one thing uh, to help you uh, be committed to this process. And I produced this many years ago. It simply has one box for every chapter, and you just check it off after you read that chapter. And um, the second study, uh, the second part of the challenge is to regularly study the Word of God. Of course, you can do this on your own, and you should, but I also want to encourage you to begin to take part of our weekly Torah study. 
Our weekly Torah study is where we study the Word of God together. It was a great discussion this last Wednesday on the mystery of the red heifer. As we was driving home, as we were talking about that as well, there were things that were brought to my mind that I had never really focused on before that, that, uh, that just really made a difference in my understanding of the Scriptures from the New Covenant. So that was a great study that we did together. You need to read the Word you need to study. Again, not to read it like a newspaper, but to read it to get it in you. Because it is your life source, friends. Some of you are starving spiritually. Some of you are drained. You have so little power. You will come in here on a Saturday and you will get charged up from the worship and from the word. And you will feel good through the end of the day. But come Sunday morning, you're dragging your feet again. Because you cannot live off what you get here on a Saturday morning. Okay, and if you're living by uh, listening by podcast, you can't live by listening to this podcast. You need a home congregation to get you plugged into. And if you need one uh, podcast, reach out to us. We'll help you find a home congregation. You need to read and be in the word on a regular basis to feed your spirit man. This promise in verse three is so powerful God says you have everything you need to live a good, godly life. That life, we were told from Yochanan, is life to the fullest measure. It can never, ever happen if you're not plugged in to the source of power. My encouragement to you this morning is get plugged in. Get plugged in, and one of the greatest ways is to read the word, worship, pray, connect it to Yeshua. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer today. And again, as you leave, our ushers are going to give you that. And if you really struggle, and again, I know a lot of you struggle because my husband and I have asked this question many times. And many times the answer has been the same, not consistently in the word. And I'm not saying this in a demeaning way or to, you know, I'm just saying this to encourage you that it has to change. We should be powerhouses of believers, okay? And we cannot if we're not connected to the power source. So make yourself accountable to someone. If you're married, your spouse is the best accountability partner. Because I'm in that Martha personality, and if there's a season where we're going through things quickly, and my husband will say to me sometimes, Carol, have you had devotions lately? Why? Because... He's my accountability partner, and he knows my personality, and he sees the schedule. And it's a way to remind me, make the time. Take the time to spend with God, the source of power, to develop my relationship with him. So if you struggle with it, use this chart as one thing, but get a partner to be accountable. Don't go through a week and only read the Bible once. Don't only hear the word of God when you're here in service. Don't only worship when you're here in service. Every day, worship, pray, read, get connected to Yeshua. Develop your relationship with him. Your problems, like I said, will not magically disappear. Mine did not. But I had strength and you will have strength to overcome like you never, ever had before. So let's close in prayer here, Adonai. I thank you for your power that has graciously been given to us. And through that power, we have everything, absolutely everything that we need to live life to its fullest, to live a godly life, to live a fruitful life. And God, I pray that from this message today, each of our lives would change God. The practical challenge, Lord, would be taken to heart. And God, even next weekend, I would tell the difference as people come in here, Lord, renewed and energized because they have spent time in your presence during the week. God, I pray, Lord, that you would quicken to each one's heart listening to this message, whether here in the sanctuary or by podcast, their need to get plugged in to their relationship with you. God to stand back and see the awesome result of being plugged into the power source. We thank you in Yeshua's name. 
Amen. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up. We're going to have a time of ministry. I'm going to close in the running benediction. And But if you need prayer today for anything, you want someone to, to have, agree with you in prayer, the ministry team is going to come forward, those who are here in the sanctuary, to pray with you. Uh, and if not, we just want to bless you with the ironic benediction. Uh, prayer will start about a half hour after service officially ends. So we invite you to stay for an hour of prayer today. Uh, corporate prayer is powerful as well. Uh, but I want to close with the ironic benediction for those who uh, feel they, they need to leave now. But I also want to give an opportunity. Perhaps you're here and uh, as you heard me talk about this personal intimate relationship with Yeshua, maybe you never ever... Uh, entered into that relationship well the good news is you can do that today and uh, it's a simple uh, it starts with a simple prayer uh, and it goes from there so I want to ask everyone to join me in this prayer and if you pray this prayer for the first time then come up and talk to one of us here at the front praying in ministry and uh, let us be an encouragement to you but please pray this prayer after me everyone Adonai thank you for loving me and bringing me here today. Thank you for sending Yeshua to die for my sins. I cannot atone for them on my own, but today I accept Yeshua and his sacrifice on my behalf. Help me to grow in knowing you better. I prayed that prayer when I was six years old, a prayer like that, and my life was forever changed. If you pray that prayer and you uh, pursue hard after God, your life will never, ever be the same for the good. I'm going to close again with the ironic benediction. If my ministry team can come up, is no one here in the sanctuary but me? Okay. So we'll close with this ironic benediction, and then again, if anyone needs prayer, we're going to come into agreement with you. You have a red cut bless you and keep you may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor may Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace may you go in the peace of Adonai may you get plugged in like never before into the power source that relationship with Yeshua the Messiah God bless you Shabbat Shalom and uh, if you need prayer come down and we'll be having a prayer meeting in the-